Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, today's guest, I'm talking about trailblazing in a bottle. Our guest today took a popular drink from the Caribbean, bottled it, and made history. Jackie Summers left behind more than 20 years in business to become an entrepreneur. He became the first Black person post-prohibition to hold a license to make liquor. Can you believe that? Jackie is the proprietor of Jack from Brooklyn, known for its signature liqueur, Sorel. Jackie, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeff, it is a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for having me on today. I know I've had you over at the Scotch Sunday night, so this is great to be able to have you here on the show. So let's start at the beginning. How did you go from a health scare, okay, to being uh, an entrepreneur? Well, the shortest version I can tell of this is a decade ago, my doctor found a tumor the size of a golf ball inside my spine. And he said, you have a 95% chance of death. And because of the location of the tumor, you have a 50% chance of paralysis because we don't know if we can take this out without permanently damaging damaging your spinal cord. You should arrange your paperwork. So I got my affairs in order and consented to the surgery and I lived. But it will adjust your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Given the, given the, given new outlook, I thought to myself, what do I want to really do with my life? And Jeff, the thing I wanted to do more than anything else in the world was day drink. Yeah. I want to be around cool people like yourself in the middle of the day, in yeah. the middle of the week talking about things that matter over good food and good booze. And I wanted to monetize it. And when I couldn't think of who would pay me to hang out with cool folks like yourself and hang out and talk and drink, I decided to launch my own company. How hard could it be? (laughs) Well, brother, you're talking my language. (laughs) And it is hard, though. You know, most people don't know about liquor or spirits or wine. To launch a national brand or any brand, it's really hard because, I mean, you not only got captains of no, you've got government in front of you saying you can and can't do things. Isn't that right? So liquor is the second most controlled substance in the country right behind plutonium. (laughs) And the difference between liquor and plutonium is the government doesn't collect taxes on plutonium. So it's a very, very controlled market. Getting a license is next to impossible. But I have a particular uh, kind of uh, unique brokenness in that I do not know what I cannot do. So I figure if I if I haven't done something yet, I just haven't done it yet. So tell me about is am I saying it right? Sorrel? So this is actually a great question. If you were to have this in the Caribbean, they call it Sorrel, S-O-R-R-E-L. My mm-hmm. product is called Sorrel because Sorrel. I have a speech impediment and I can't pronounce <laughs> R's and L's. So okay. the first eight years of elementary is that school. Because, no, is that because of the drinking? Seriously, it's got, is that part of it? Actually, I'm having tea today, so not not yet. But I had enunciation classes for the first eight years of elementary Mm. school. And here's one of the things I learned. Words that end in a down sound are sad. Sorrel is a sad word. Sorrel is happy. 
and I can pronounce it. So uh-huh. it's literally called Sorel. So I don't sound like a dumbass every time I have to say the name. There you go, brother. So let me ask you a question. So Sorel, what's it made of? What I haven't had, the, I have not had the privilege yet of trying this, but I'm looking forward to it. And I look forward to buying a lot of it and enjoying a lot of it. Could I like you? I enjoy my spirits. I enjoy taking and imbibing and I enjoy imbibing not only just in the nighttime, but during the day too. I enjoy that. I, I think, you know, I want to relive Mad Men almost, you know, not not to the extent that they did it, but certainly the way that some of the lifestyle. So tell me what's in it. How's it made? So there's hibiscus, ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg and clove and organic green alcohol certified kosher. It is a 500-year-old recipe. It started to be a thing in the 1600s when they first started to import hibiscus flowers from West Africa along with enslaved Africans. And they would make this tea because it's got all this great medicinal properties. It's a natural antimicrobial and it's natural antiseptic. It's a natural aphrodisiac. Mm. And British naval officers would put a tip of rum in their tea just to preserve it. And this drink populated throughout the Caribbean. Every Caribbean family believed that they make the best version. So of course, my grandparents got here a hundred years ago and I believed that I made the best version of this. But what no one had ever done was make a shelf stable version. So I'm the first person in the history of this 500 year beverage to make a version that is shelf stable. You can open it, close it, come back months later and it's the same. Is this much like, you know, in every region around the world, there's some kind of liqueur that's kind of linked yes. to that that culture, that area. Like in the in Scandinavian, there's aquavina. Yes. Uh, aquavina. Aquavina. That's a, you know, a liqueur. There's in, oh, in Italy, there's limoncello, right? There's yes. A limoncello and grappa. Uh, you would find grappa. Is this, yes. is this that version of the Caribbean? It is very much in that ilk. And I will tell you that part of my mission for the next 20 or so years is I sincerely believe that there are versions of these cultural beverages that are waiting for somebody to put it in a bottle. So well waited for 500 years for someone to bottle it. How many other things are out there right now waiting for somebody to find it and discover it and introduce it to the world? Uh, speaking about discovering it, and I want to talk about how many errors you had coming up with a recipe. Let's go, what, before we get to that, let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, I am talking with Jackie Summers, who's a entrepreneur extraordinaire. And, of course, we're talking about his, his liqueur, Sorel, uh, which comes from the uh, Caribbean, 500 years old in the making, of course, now a hot new drink uh, for everyone. Hey, how many times did you screw up the recipe and get to where you're at now? So the joke I tell at this point is, if you think you have an idea that's so good, no one's ever thought of it before, it's probably a terrible idea. There's probably a reason no one has done it before. It took 623 tries Mm. before I got a version that is shelf stable. And I can tell you that I personally do not have a background as a food scientist. This was just lots of failure and lots of me refusing to give up. Well, well, that's the way most entrepreneurs operate in terms of that. Do you have to store it in the fridge? You said shelf stable. So that means you open it up and you can, and how long would you let it set? Does it need to age? Is it like scotch? It will last indefinitely, but truthfully, most people drink it like a bottle of wine. It is unique in spirits in that 
two people can finish a bottle in one sitting in, a, in an hour or so. The ginger in the mix almost perfectly masks the heat of the alcohol. So you never actually taste booze. You just feel booze. Which, <laughs> what's the alcohol content? It's 15%. So it's about the strength of a fortified wine. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a higher wine and li- maybe a little yeah. bit less than a limoncello. But a lot of times, most of us put too much Everclear or grain alcohol in our limoncello, so, which I call it hoochie, hoochie. We call it hoochie <laughs> when we get too much, because I make my own. This is not something right? I make. Would you serve it over, I would assume you're serving it over some ice as well or chilled. So the wonderful thing about Sorel is it goes different in every season. We're entering the springtime right now. So I would do gin cocktails like a Negroni or even a mezcal and tequila cocktails like a, a margarita. For summer and time, I would absolutely do it as a spritz with some seltzer and lime or even with sparkling wine. For fall, I would do it in brown cocktails and, and stirred cocktails instead of a vermouth in a, in a Manhattan. And for wintertime, it's delicious hot. So I would serve it as a toddy. So I really believe Sorel is a beverage for all seasons. That's pretty cool. So, Jackie, you were the first African-American post-prohibition to get a a license to make liquor. Okay, how does a guy in Brooklyn become a distiller? I wish I had a good answer for that. But the best thing, like the most honest answer I can give you outside of not knowing what I can't do is. I was working my way through some of the hardest times of my life Mm. through accomplishment. I really had a choice between digging down and doing the hard work of healing my trauma or masking it with success. And I masked my trauma with success. And the interesting thing about that is you can win to the point where your underlying emotional structure cannot adequately support your successes without question yeah so i i have had to go back and rebuild the in my emotional infrastructure to actually be able to support the wins i've been able to accumulate that's an important thing for an entrepreneur is to be able to handle that pressure to be able to get through the dark times because there's a lot of dark times and i know that a lot of people deal with the depression. A lot of people deal with different different issues in our life, with the trauma caused by our past. All of us, yes, for the most yes. part, we all got we all got something in our in our closet. And if we don't, you haven't you just don't know where the closet is. All right, right. So we all got that kind of thing. Well, I'm glad you were able to do that. I'm curious to know you you, you had this idea. You were sitting around. I assume it was a family recipe. You guys were drinking from time to time, or maybe visiting relatives. By the way, where did your family come from? in the Caribbean? So my mother's parents are from Barbados and my father's parents are from St. Kitts, Nevis, and they mm-hmm. both arrived in Harlem, New York in 1920. So wow. it's a it's a story. It's an immigrant story that's been around for 100 years now. That's awesome. So so this this beverage was around those family events. Was it yes. something you guys had every day or was just a special kind of thing? This was something that was part of our culture growing up. It was just mm-hmm. the beverage that we drank, not just to celebrate, but to enjoy. If you were to go to the Caribbean, hibiscus flowers are abundant. Children pick them and they make iced tea for after school. The kids go to sleep and the adults put rum in the tea and then it's a party. It's a traditional Caribbean party drink. Uh, very cool. So when you, when, you, when you had the idea, how did you go about getting the money for it? This is a fun story because... If you do not, if you cannot find financing for your great idea, you can't get started. 
about six months after leaving corporate America forever, I got a call from a buddy of mine who was a vice president at Hearst. He said, listen, don't tell anybody, but we're buying another media company. There's going to be overlap. There's going to be layoffs, but I want my people running my magazines. Come back and work for me, he says. 32nd floor, corner office, overlook of Central Park, six-figure salary. I'm going to set you up. Jeff, in my heart, I know I'm going to tell, I know I'm going to say to him no. But I take the meeting because he's a friend of mine. We're at this burger joint on the Upper West Side. We're having a bite. I reach into my bag. I pull out a bottle of the stuff that I'd made in my kitchen because I hadn't had my license yet. And I start explaining to him what I'm about to do. I'm midway through the conversation. And the guy at the next table stands up and goes, so you're looking for investors? So I stand up, I give him my business card, I shake his hand, I reach into my bag and pull out a second bottle. Because well, who doesn't prepared. carry two bottles at the time, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I say to him, take this home, enjoy it with your family. Yeah. If you're still yeah. interested, we'll talk later in the week. Jeff, I didn't even look at his card. The next morning, I'm rifling through my wallet trying to figure out why the name Alexander Bernstein is so familiar. It's Leonard Bernstein's son who runs the Bernstein Foundation. He became my first investor. And I tell that story to say, be prepared at all times. You never know when you're going to have to give your elevator pitch. I I totally love that story. And so he overheard you talking about it, right? Yep. And so, which which anyone knows, (laughs) given the COVID, but when it used to be, tables used to be right next to each other. So you can hear all the conversations three tables down. There's no secrets in New York City whatsoever. Nope. But I, what I like about it, and I do know a lot of guys who who have been in the liquor business, in the wine business, spirits business, and they always are carrying a bottle or two or a small a small pint bottle. Typically, yep. hopefully, you've learned to go to the smaller pint bottle, so you're not giving away the whole bottle. But you, when you give someone a bottle and they love it, you've got them forever. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great way of being able to do it. My, uh, all the Scotch guys show me a lot of the early, early batches that they're coming out with, and they'll give me a pint or two, and I treat them like gold because that's where I learned the greatest, some of the greatest Scotches and the greatest things. So, what was your? I'm just curious. What was your first funding round? How much did you raise? Where did you go from there? I raised just under two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which anyone yeah. will tell you is not enough to launch not a enough. liquor brand. Yeah. Uh, But again, I am uniquely broken in that I don't know what I can't do. The product hit the market and immediately got rave reviews. I'd never hired a PR company, but people kept talking about it. The New York Times called it Christmas in a Bottle. Star Magazine put it on the celebrity page and called it Creeping Sunshine in a Bottle. I literally could not make it fast enough. So it has been an interesting journey in that the quality of the product has carried us where money couldn't and got us the attention to get the money we need to make it successful. Well, let me take another quick break. I want to come back, talk about more of what you're doing in terms of the Good Men Project and a few others. And I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, and we are back right here. We're, of course, live casting right here on Facebook and LinkedIn as we bring you All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, the world's largest business podcast network. Hey, folks, we have over 400 
podcast now on C-Suite Radio, and we're continuing to grow. You know, we grew by 450% last year in new listeners, 120% new shows, and we're doing the same right now. So don't forget to tell your friends, okay? Because we want more and more people listening to what we have to offer because we're turning up the volume on business. And right now, speaking of business, I'm talking with Jackie Summers, who has made his own uh, liqueur that he is selling, Sorel. Okay, for all the way from Brooklyn, all the way, made its way from the Caribbean, all the way up into New York City, and then now out. Let me ask you, Jackie, how many, the first batch you did, that first that first run of the product, how many cases was it? The production method is deceptively simple. There's no maturation. There's no fermentation. There's no distillation. It's a rectified product. Uh-huh. So every time I run my machinery, it yields around 750 bottles. Good for so you. I was able to make 60 cases a day by myself. See, now that's pretty smart. For those that don't know the liquor business, to launch a national brand, you, you really have to go out and create about 10,000 cases. But yeah. if you can do that on demand, which is what you're doing, you know, yes. by the way, Jeff Bezos did that. He started Amazon by doing books on demand. Okay, that's how he got yep. started. So I don't know, maybe there's a maybe there's some background there that we're going to figure out for you. <clears throat> Jackie, one of the other things you're doing is you're also a speaker and author and you served as the executive director for the Good Men Project. What's that? Yes. About? So the Good Men Project is a an attempt to discuss modern masculinity in the sense of of whether or not goodness can be defined as a masculine quality of uh, the nature of goodness, I believe is something that grows and evolves as is the nature of masculinity. And we'd like to be able to see if we can have a 21st century conversation about it. I was an executive director there for six years and I have tried to be involved in conversations about what the nature of goodness should be like and our responsibility in that sense as human beings. So what is the definition of goodness and could and, and what's the tie-in to masculine masculine men? I think the definition of goodness is nebulous and hard to nail down. But if I could say it has any one thing, it is the response to oppression. If you mm-hmm. see oppression and you respond neutrally, you've taken the side of the oppressed. Right. If you see oppression and you in any way try to help the oppressed, that is a litmus test for goodness. You must stick up for people who are differently disadvantaged than yourself. Well, if you if if that's the definition of goodness, I'm doing a pretty good job because that's one of the things that's a big thing for me. I don't like bullies. I don't like people who pick on other people. I don't even like when people post pictures of people like on the subway or others and make fun of them. I just think yeah, that's yeah. that one, it's rude. And two, it's just damn mean. It's just mean. That's the what's the opposite of goodness right there. And agree. So what's the tie what's the tie-in for men to help men be 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 gooder? Is that what it is? Or I'm not sure if it's a question of men being good as much as it is a question of men understanding that their masculinity does not have to be defined by what society has said that they should define it as. We don't owe it, we don't have to be John Wayne. We don't have to be disconnected from our emotions. We don't have to be people who don't feel it, who don't express feeling. We can actually be completely round, fully formed human beings with access to our emotions and have strength and have vulnerability at the same time. If anything, I want to say that the greatest strength is the ability to be able to express vulnerability. 
I think that's a I think that's well said, and I think most men should should find their place with that and get comfortable with it and be centered around that. So one of the other things I know, Jackie, and studying you a little bit, you're, you're on a mission to tell stories of marginalized people in their own voices. Whose story are you focused on telling right now? Right now, I'm focused on trying to make sure people understand how important this beverage that I make is. Again, it's been around for five centuries. And for whatever reason, it is just now getting out into public attention. I very much feel like I am a steward of a much larger story than myself. The sacrifices that were made for me to be in this place and the examples that were set by my parents and my grandparents and my great grandparents. I have a debt. I have a responsibility to all those who laid a foundation and a path for me to make sure this story continues after I'm gone. I'm just a steward. But my job is to establish this part of the story so that it lasts beyond me. So how hard was it to get into this liquor business for you? Oh, it's next to impossible. But next to impossible is 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 still remotely possible. I want to say that I have challenged a series of successfully improbable events and beat them. Uh, and I intend to continue beating them. My sister would say, if you feel like you're beating your head against the wall, don't stop. The wall will give up before you do. That's a well said, well said. I think that's the very important kind of thing. You know, I've launched a lot of liquor uh, brands, uh, vodka brands, wine brands, now some whiskey brands. And of course, uh, everybody knows my love of scotch. So good luck with this in terms of that. What, tell me, I want to know how much is a bottle? It's about 32 bucks. That's easy. That's everybody should be getting this. I've got it. Where can I get, where can I get a bottle from? So there's about to be a national relaunch. Give it Another week or so, there's going to be a big announcement. So sometime in June, all across, you'll be able to be picked up in, in your local area so that you can get that distribution, which is fantastic. Because that's yep. what it is, folks. If you don't know about the liquor business, distribu- they, they always say about franchising businesses and, and, you know, like McDonald's or Burger King and that location, location, location with the liquor business, distribution, 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 distribution. Indeed. agree 100%. Yep. It's a hundred percent there. And, and then of course it's the word of mouth and it's all the great things. So I encourage everybody, Jackie, what a pleasure. It's good to have you on the show today and we wish you the best of luck and thanks. We're going to have to have you for a tasting. We're going to have to do a tasting. Absolutely. Let's schedule it. I would love to have that happen. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And I tell you, it was right there at the beginning and right there towards the end. And it was all about two things. If you don't implement it, you know, talking about it, it's an idea without implementation is just there. I've said this a million times, and that's exactly what he said. And you never have enough money when you get started with a business. You always need more than you anticipate. So he went out and raised $250,000 and he needed a heck of a lot more. So Think about what you need, then maybe even double it. I'm serious about that, folks. You think you can get by, but I'll guarantee you, I've been in this, I've bought and sold hundreds of businesses. I've started many, 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 many businesses, and I always need more money than what I think. And that's the nature of the business. That's what happens with it. And you never grow your sales as fast as you think. And so therefore, you need more cash to be able to get started. And you got to be realistic. So that's what I learned or reinforced my thinking today on all business, whichever is it right here on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends, encourage them to listen to the show. Would you do that? Say you heard a great show, you heard a great episode, pass it on. 
and something you might not like, they might like. So, but if you like it, send it to them. I'm sure they will like it as well because they'll get to learn some of the lessons that we have here. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you for tuning in to C-Suite Radio and to All Business. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.